0: This morning, we're wrapping up a four-part series on when we worship. The first week, we talked about how worship is a vertical conversation between God and us. God speaks to us, and we respond. The second week, we talked about confession and assurance that we can go to the Lord again and again and confess that we've sinned and receive assurance that He forgives us. Last week, we talked about preaching and how in sermons, God speaks to us even through frail human words and how again and again, week after week, we're pointed to Christ. Today, we're wrapping up this series by looking at the sacraments. So we'll be talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper as signs and seals of God's work in our lives. I'll read several New Testament texts this morning to give us a backdrop for this meditation on the sacraments. So I'll be reading a passage from Hebrews, then one from 1 Corinthians, and then one from Ephesians this morning. This is God's Word for, us today. for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And then from 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And finally from Ephesians. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This is God's holy and infallible word for us today. So, Pokemon Go has been a big thing in the video gaming world the last couple weeks. To play the game, you walk around with your smartphone and your smartphone shows you what's in front of you with your camera and then it puts these digital creatures, these Pokemon, on the screen and you can capture different Pokemons at different real-world locations and I guess you can train them and fight with them or something like that. I don't play the game, so I don't know too much about it. But the thing that I find really interesting about Pokemon Go isn't the actual thing you do on the phone, it's the social dynamic of the game. Everyone who plays this game is playing in the same virtual world, and everyone's game is connected. So if you go down the prairie path at just about any time of day lately, you see a bunch of people walking down the path just staring at their phones together playing Pokemon Go. Our church is a stop or a gym or something in the game. So quite a bit lately, we see people come up on skateboards or bikes or just walk through or pull up in a car, and they sit there fiddling with their phone for just a minute or two, and then they take off again. I've heard in downtown areas, there's sometimes dozens of people playing the game at the same place in the same time. So if a rare Pokemon shows up, someone might shout, hey, there's a riding over there! And everyone turns their phone at the same instant to try to capture that particular Pokemon. Apparently, the police have even been called a few times at suspicious characters loitering in public places, and when they show up, it turns out that a bunch of strangers have happened to show up in a particular park or outside a particular church, and they're playing Pokemon Go together. And usually, as the stories go, the police end up downloading the game, and then they're playing on their smartphones with everyone else. Total strangers end up playing this game together. And honestly, it's a ridiculous game. You find these little animated creatures hanging out in church doorways and parks and along the prairie path. Now, people have suggested all kinds of reasons that this game is really a hit right now. Some people come at it from the business end or the technology end or the social media end. But one blogger one blogger, this last week came at it from the spiritual end. He suggested that the popularity of Pokemon Go is a sign that we live in a spiritually flattened and fractured world. A flattened and fractured world. We live in a world that feels shallow, and a world where it's often hard to find good connections with people. And so maybe Pokemon Go taps into our desire for a deeper world and for more community. And I think it's true that we do live in a flattened world these days. Most people around the world and most people throughout history have believed in some kind of spiritual world. People have pretty much always believed that there's more to this world than what you can see and touch. But in our culture these days, that belief doesn't quite come automatically. In our culture these days, the default is that what you see is what you get. The world is only what's in front of you. And what you see is things like garbage trucks and shopping malls, computer monitors and cars. And the message of the world often is there is nothing beyond what you can see and touch. Some scholars say we live in a disenchanted world. There is no magic or mystery left to us. The world is flat, there is nothing deeper or higher. But because we humans are spiritual creatures, that doesn't satisfy us. Human beings want something more than a flat, material world. And so even though we live in a world that's been made spiritually flat, I think we're often haunted. We're haunted by this sense, by this desire that there is something more and we want there to be something more. And I think that explains some of the popularity of superhero movies and sci-fi movies. I think it explains part of the popularity of Pokemon Go, too. It lets people pretend that there's a deeper level, that the world has more to it than you can walk around and just see and touch. And I think that pretending has power because deep in the human heart, all of us, all of us want something deeper everybody senses there has to be more to the world than what's flat and in front of you. But often people today don't know how to get there. And along with being flat, our world is often fractured. If you followed the Republican or the Democratic National Conventions the last couple weeks, well, you saw at the Republican Convention that a lot of people were all about Trump and a lot of people hate the guy. The convention was fractured. And then if you follow the Democratic National Convention, a lot of people love Hillary, but a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters still can't stand the lady, and they're going to do their own thing. And if we look at our whole culture, there's been a lot of, a lot of trouble the last few weeks with race relations and human or police-citizen relations. And so there's all these slogans out there. Black lives matter. Blue lives matter. All lives matter. And those groups can't seem to find any kind of common ground. So they yell and they scream at each other. They put rants on social media. And it's really hard to see how people can move forward together. We all agree that things matter. But it's so hard for us to agree on what that actually means and what we can do about it. Now you can say that politics and society are always difficult and conflicted but maybe that's part of the point. Take these examples as a sign that we live in a fractured world. And unless you're extraordinarily lucky, you probably can think of examples at work, at school, at home, that we live fractured, disconnected lives. We want to connect to a deeper world, but often today we don't know how. We want real deep community But often today, we're so broken, we can't find it. Now, the sacraments don't solve all the world's problems. They don't give us a magical answer. But the sacraments do help us as God's people. They help us to connect to a deeper world. They help us to find a real community. Through the sacraments, the Lord deepens our connection to Him and also to each other. Now, to be honest, we often see the sacraments, we often see the baptism and the Lord's Supper. If we aren't reflective, we often see them as pretty flat events. They're just ordinary things that we do in church every now and then. And if we don't think about it, it's easy to focus on what we do. And then baptism becomes about the time that we declare our faith and we do this particular ritual. And then the Lord's Supper becomes a time that we pass these things around and we remember what Jesus did a long, long time ago. And those are true parts of the sacraments, but they're only a very small slice of the real meaning of baptism and the Lord's Supper. I think too often when we do these things, we lose their depth and their reality and we reduce them to just human ritual And remembrance. But these things are much, much deeper than that. These activities, when we baptize, when we share in the Lord's Supper, these are not human achievements. They're not really about what we do. They're not about us reaching up to God. They're about God graciously, continually, repeatedly reaching down to us. When we baptize, when we share in the Lord's Supper, the primary actor, the one who makes the whole thing go, is the Lord. The sacraments are always about what God has done and what God is doing for us. The sacraments give us concrete, material, physical signs of the mystery of God's love for us and His presence in our lives. The sacraments show us that God's promises really do apply to us, to us gathered at this time in this place. The sacraments give us a sign that we belong to God and also that we belong to the community of God's gathered people. The sacraments take the deep, complex mysteries of our faith and they help us to see those things represented in physical signs. So let's talk about some ways that baptism and the Lord's Supper show us what God does for us as his people. When we baptize, and usually we baptize babies here, when we baptize, the parents bring the babies up, sometimes the siblings come, we make some promises, we baptize the baby, usually the baby cries at that point, not always. We share some scriptural promises. That's the physical level. But what baptism means, what baptism means is that Christ's sacrifice has washed us clean. Just like if you take a good long bath or a good long shower and you are totally washed clean, this water represents to us that just as much as we get physically wet and we get washed, the Lord spiritually washes us clean from our sin in Christ's blood. And even more than that, baptism reminds us that we have new life in Christ. In baptism, we are buried to our old life. We are buried and dead to our sins, and we rise in new life. One of the classic images of baptism is the Lord's people in Exodus going through the Red Sea. And they were fleeing from the land of slavery. Pharaoh was after them, and they came to an impassable obstacle. There was nothing they could do. And then God opened up the waters. He opened up the sea, and all of God's people walked through the sea on dry land on the way to the new promised land, to the new life that God was bringing to them. In baptism, we are brought through the sea, and we are brought into God's new people. Baptism is a badge that we truly belong to God. If you have been baptized, you have a mark on you, you have a badge, you have a seal that you belong to God. And baptism is never, never an individual thing. Whenever we baptize one person, we baptize them into the whole community. When we baptize someone, that means someone else is with us going through the sea. And when we baptize someone, that's a reminder to all of us, to all of us, that Christ died for us and Christ gives us new life. A baptism is a sign and a seal that in Christ's death, we find new life. So let's talk about the Lord's Supper now. In the Lord's Supper, the Lord renews us to eternal life. In the Lord's Supper, the Lord renews us to eternal life. When we practice the Lord's Supper, we break some bread, we pour out some wine, we have these trays that we pass around, we all pass them down the aisle, we hold on to the things, we hope we don't spill them or drop the tray or do any any of those other terrible things. And then together, we take the bread and we take the wine. And through these things, through that bread and through that wine, the Lord reminds us that Christ's body and blood, Christ's very body and his actual blood were shed for you. Through the Lord's Supper, the Lord reminds us and assures us and applies to us Christ's one completed sacrifice. It's not that we again and again offer a sacrifice that somehow cleanses us from our sins. It's that God has once and for all made us clean. And in the Lord's Supper, He reminds us of that. And it's not just that God reminds us of Christ's past work. It's that here and now, at the moments that we partake of the Lord's Supper, the Holy Spirit draws us up into Christ's presence somehow, in some way, when you eat that bread and you drink that cup, the Lord brings you into his presence in a way that he does nowhere else and through no other means in this world. Now, in our flat world, to us kind of materialist people, that sounds a little bit silly. It sounds a little bit like a pipe dream, a little bit like like we're playing pretend. But really, truly, the Lord's Supper draws us up to God. The Lord's Supper connects us to a deeper, more real world. These physical signs represent to us the eternal God, his sacrifice for us, and his continuing presence in our lives. And the Lord's Supper also draws us together as a community. All of us interact with a lot of people in a given week. We ride the train with strangers. We bump into people at the office. When we drive by, you know, people cut us off. There's all kinds of ways we interact with people. But if we really care about someone, if we really want to get to know them better, often we invite them over for a meal. To invite someone over for a meal is a way of saying, hey, I want to get to know you better. And in the Lord's Supper, the Lord invites all of his family over for a meal together. When we share in the Lord's Supper, we are having the greatest family gathering of all time. Because we are sharing in a meal with all of God's people all over the world in all times and places. This is a reality that you see lived out in the life of the church week to week as we care for each other, as we send cards to those in the hospital, as we mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. But the Lord's Supper gives us a specific time to remind us that we belong to each other. If you've been baptized, if you've confessed your faith and you partake of the Lord's Supper, those are God's ways of reminding you that you belong to Christ and that you belong here in the church. Now, maybe you don't belong to faith church in particular, but you belong to the church. You belong to the body of God's people. God has put his mark on you, and you belong here. The sacraments bring us to Christ, and they bring us to the church. They bring us to Christ, and they bring us to the church. When we celebrate these sacraments, when we do these things, the Lord breaks into our everyday reality and he brings us to something more, to something much more deep and much more real than we usually encounter in our everyday experience. One of the interesting things about games like Pokemon Go is that they absorb people into their own little world. You see these people walking down the prairie path or whatever, and they are totally oblivious to the world around them. You may have heard stories this week of the people who played the game and walked right off a cliff. Or the stories of the people who were playing the game and drove into a tree. Or even worse, the story of someone who was playing the game and sideswiped a police car. Not things you want to be doing. We were at the Brookfield Zoo recently, and you see people playing the game there, and they're walking down the path in the zoo totally fixated on these little animals on their phone, and they aren't even looking at the real animals around them. There was one particular group we saw that was really frustrated because there was a Pokemon way back in the fence of a certain enclosure, and they were trying to get to it, but they couldn't. And you almost got the sense they were thinking about, could I get over the enclosure, get within range of that creature, catch it, and get back in time? And it was the wolves' enclosure, by the way. Not a good bet, but you could see they were tempted. But if you watch people play the game for a little while, you see something interesting happening sometimes. They'll be playing along, all zoned out in their little world, and then something happens, and they look at the real world. They see a bird that landed just next to them. They notice that the fireflies just came out. Or if they're at the zoo, they look up, and all of a sudden there's this amazing creature Amazing real creature right in front of them from this flat little limited reality to a world with depth and beauty beyond what any human being could ever create. Sometimes this happens to us spiritually too. We get so caught up, and it's hard not to. We get so caught up in driving the garbage truck week after week or going to the lab or sitting at our desk and getting the reports done or getting our kids off to this and that activity, that we get stuck in this flat little world. And worship services as a whole, but in some ways, especially the sacraments, invite us and draw us out of this flat little world into the real story of the world, into this great big story of a God who made everything and who made us to be material and spiritual creatures into the story of a God who invites us and who brings us into something so much deeper. Baptism and the Lord's Supper help us to experience the world as it really, really is. They remind us, they draw us from this flat and fractured world into a deeper world where we can truly connect with God and truly connect with each other. The Lord uses these physical things, even these physical things, to draw us closer to Him. In our flat and often hopeless world, the sacraments renew and encourage us in the deep realities of our faith. Baptism is a sign that we all together have been given new life in Christ. The Lord's Supper is a sign that Christ's sacrifice was truly for us and that we truly, truly belong to Christ's body now and forever. By God's grace, these sacraments draw us up to the Lord and they draw us together as God's people. Thanks be to God.